Hello everyone. Before we get started, I have a few things to tell you about. The most important is that there is a content warning for this episode for conversations about suicidal ideation. The timestamps for that are in the show notes if that's not a conversation that you should listen to right now. Other than that, I need to say it is time for you to send us your questions for our Pride Month Q&A episode. If you haven't listened to last year's episode yet, you should totally check that out. Uh, It's a thing that we do every Pride Month where you write us questions about gender and or sexuality and we answer them and it's real fun and cute. So send us those by June 1st. Last thing, some merch updates. One, I don't remember if I've said before, but the pins, the gay people love puns pins are officially a thing. So you can now order them. And also, if you ordered a Twinkle Twinkle Little Star t-shirt, we are having some issues with uh, printing. They're being reprinted. And as soon as they get back to me, they will then be shipped out to you. So yes, that is all the things. And with that... Uh, tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And at long last, we are talking about chapters 61 and 62 of Carry On. Insert panting noises. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> or like that like cc pedison song like finally it has happened to me or like <laughs> i touch myself by the divinals maybe <laughs> <laughs> Yes, what happens in this chapter? All right, so in this, in chapter 61, we have a Simon and Baz alternating POV within the chapter uh, because Simon is desperate to stop Baz from emoliating himself. Uh, so he kisses Baz in order to get him to stop. Our tender boys don't know actually what is going on between them, but they've waited long enough for this moment, so duh, they just keep kissing. Um, interrupted only by the literal forest fire happening around them. With a little bit magical um, <clears throat> submission from Simon, Baz put out the, for- <laughs> Baz put out the forest fire, <laughs> but not the fire in his heart. The oh moment breaks, God. though, because Baz needs to eat, and together they summon a whole-ass deer. <laughs> Chapter 62. Baz drinks the deer, and now it's a little awkward. But Simon is like, oh, so you're actually like a vampire? Which, duh, Simon, duh. <laughs> but Simon doesn't care that Baz is a vampire and in fact still wants to kiss Baz. Back at the stately Grim Pitch home, the boys raid the fridge, go back up to Baz's room and talk about what the fuck is happening between them with a, with a little side of suicide ideation from the both of them. 
then they make out all night because these horny guys have waited long enough. And they sure have. So have we. <laughs> <laughs> we sure have. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. A uh, reminder that we're spoiling everything through the end of this book, but nothing from the sequels. Also, please go leave us a review because it makes us happy and helps other people find the podcast. And now we will enter. Easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't belong anywhere else. I feel like everything in all my sections is just about them just kissing and being so into one another and just like... It's, I mean, very hard to find anything that's not sexy, but, you know, we can't just have sun shivers down my spine, so we're improvising, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think my first thing is, which maybe we'll end up getting more into, but I feel like Baz is annoyed that Simon keeps asking him about biting people and if he's ever, like, bitten someone. And it's like, uh, Baz, my dude, Simon wants you to bite him. I think this is where this conversation is going. <laughs> it's leading to, I'm like, cause I'm like, you're asking Whoa. so many questions. And I'm like, do you just want Baz to bite you? Because it probably would be hot. I don't know. Everything about vampire contemporary literature is like being bitten by a vampire seems sexy and hot. So, Look, I think this is good reading. He's doing his homework. Does it have to be fatal? Because if not... Exactly. These are good, these are, I think these are all legit and good questions for him to be asking. Yeah, I, mm-hmm, I've never read it that way. But like, I think that you're totally right. And I'm very into it. I do, speaking of that, just want to piggyback and say that I fucking love that conversation when Baz (laughs) responds with, I can't believe you're asking me this, you who can't walk away from half a sandwich. (laughs) It's such a good line. And I I felt like I was really thinking about it, because unless, like, that probably is kind of what the sensation is like, or you're, like, eating, like, really good french fries, and it's like, oh, I have to save, I have to save the other half for someone else, but you're just like, but I want to just keep eating these french fries. (laughs) And then you're (laughs) like, now the box is empty. When did that happen? Yeah. Uh, Okay. So I don't know. I don't know if this happened for you. I feel like it maybe did. The part where Baz grabs simon's cross and yanks it off and breaks the chain my in my mind i heard harmony go ew like you're too good to work a class (laughs) i did not but now i am Uh, listeners if you're not subscribed to our patreon uh maybe you should know that we are doing a buffy podcast so i have been consuming a lot of Buffy media in my brain. And along with, I feel like since this chapter is so vampire heavy, especially in the whole like, I am a vampire and the person that I am making out with is not at all a vampire. And I feel like I've just been thinking a lot about vampire stuff from different media. Yeah. And... Uh, so people who haven't watched Buffy, the line that I just said is is from an episode of Buffy where someone rips a necklace off of someone else. And a character that we just adore says that, and it's fucking great. Oh, 
Like you're too good to work a clasp. Um, yes. What else? So I feel like maybe there is uh, also another, maybe Simon being t- uh, being too subtle, where he's like, oh, you like, you're like warm because you drank an entire deer. Like, are you heavier? What if I try to pick you up? And Vez is like, no, don't do that. And it's like, Vez, <laughs> Simon wants to get his arms around you. Do please read between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> oh let me pick you up oh I guess since we're like this close let me just like kiss your neck let me just push you against this tree whatever <laughs> just the door was wide open and he just did not did not walk through it it's okay you get there eventually but <laughs> poor baby Baz he's feeling so self-conscious yeah I just have one more thing which is that I love also the line about how Simon isn't bothered that Baz is a vampire. He says, now that I know you just sneak around drinking household pets and legal game, I'm not too bothered. It's not like I'm a militant vegetarian. Which is just incredible. <laughs> it's just so good. It's like so good, but I'm also like, that's kind of like what Baz needs to hear. Is that like, okay, yeah, that's weird, but like, I don't really care. Whatever. Yeah. Have you have you seen me eat a steak? I mean, come on. Whatever. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I just love it. I It's funny cuz I think this is the second the second time in in two episodes where Simon who has been telling us this whole book that he's just really not good with words is saying the perfect things to help Baz through what Baz is going through at the moment and it's just really great it's I don't know I just really appreciate it because it's like yeah you're nailing it Simon you've really you really really know what Baz needs right now it's like Simon knows these magic words Mm. (laughs) I'm sorry how dare you (laughs) a mouthful of LaCroix (laughs) Oh god. But really, you know, it's a it's always good to have emotional intelligence, oftentimes way better than scholarly intelligence. Yes. I think Simon would be a great therapist. Yeah. Simon, like mid twenties Simon would be a good therapist. Mm-hmm. Or like mm-hmm. late twenties Simon, once he's had a chance to be in the world without the sort of uh, acts of be the chosen one hanging over his head perpetually. Yeah, and once he's gotten a good amount of therapy for his own self, too. Yeah. Yeah, what else do you have here? I just have two things. First is Baz just being a lying liar about when Simon is like, if you want to kiss me, he's like, no, what are you talking about? Why would I want that? <laughs> I know. Are you sure you haven't just spent the past several hundred pages pining over Simon and you can't own up to the fact that you want to kiss him literally before this moment. Okay. All right. Have, have your, have your, he can't let his guard down. He's just trying, he's just trying to be too cool for school. And I'm like, all right, Baz. Okay. I think it's because he's really afraid that this is some sort of fluke. And so he just, you know, he's doing the thing where, 
you know, you you push people away so that what is what is I'm trying to remember the line from Ten Things I Hate About You where Heath Ledger is, says something like you're disappointed from the start so you can't so nothing can get to you or something like that. But I feel like that's what Baz is doing basically is making sure that if Simon just did that because it was this bizarre reaction to Baz attempting to light himself on fire that he will already be in a non-vulnerable position. Yeah, that makes sense. It's okay to be vulnerable, Bass. <laughs> so my last thing is something that I am borrowing from the True Blood fandom, which I was briefly in when the show was on before it got very terrible and I had to stop watching it. But for whatever reason, whenever a vampire in that show would like, their fangs would kind of like pop. They would like quickly sort of down. And for whatever reason, the fandom always called it a fang boner. And that's all I could think about when Baz was eating and covering his mouth (laughs) with his hand. (laughs) Because he's trying to hide his embarrassing fang boner. You're not wrong. (laughs) In a few chapters... Simon is going to say the incredible line, I can't believe there's a part of your body that just grows when you need it. And Baz is like, can you hear yourself? (laughs) And it's incredible. (laughs) (sighs) Nothing to be be ashamed of, Baz. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouetto of a Man, where we talk about character development. So one of the things that happens in these two chapters is that Simon and Bass have some conversations about, okay, so we're kissing now and we like kissing what what the fuck is happening. And Simon is a little bit of grappling with his sexuality. And for the most part, he decides that it's not really a high priority for him to try to figure out what it means that he wants to kiss Baz. And I'm like, that's so legitimate. Sometimes you don't have to take a whole mo all this time to be like, what does this mean? Uh, especially when there are other things on your plate, like solving a murder and trying not to die and making out with your hot enemy now. I don't want to say friends with benefits, but whatever they are right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, I, I mean, it makes sense for Simon's character for him to sort of shrug it off and and sort of, and then just enjoy what is happening. Mm-hmm. And him just kind of being like, I'll figure out the sexuality stuff later, I guess, whatever, is very legit. I wish that all of us could have the attitude towards the idea of, like, a sexuality label that Simon has, where it just profoundly is not important. It's just, like, the individuals that you like and pursue the relationships that you want to pursue or the making outs that you want to pursue. Because I... I just honestly feel so strongly that putting labels on 
I mean, not all labels, but I feel like, you know, for Simon, the question is, are you gay? And if he says yes, does that mean that his sexual, like his attraction to Agatha was never legitimate? Does that mean that he'll never be attracted to another woman again? And that's a huge question that I don't think that he should ever have to answer. If, you know, the important question is, are you attracted to Baz and do you want to be pursuing what you're doing with him? And if the answer to that is yes, why does it matter? Yeah. And because people change, that answer could also change in the future. Right. He could be 20 years from now decide that there's a label that feels good to him to use. And maybe that doesn't happen for until he's had more life experience and being in the world as himself and kind of figuring out what it means to be in the world as himself. Yeah, and just to be very clear, I don't have issues with people using labels. I think that labels can also be very helpful in terms of how we think about and define ourselves. I just wish that everyone could have that feeling of I'll figure it out when I figure it out, as opposed to a sense of urgency around figuring it out as you as you go through that process. Yeah. Yes, I, I agree with your stance. And if there are labels that people feel strongly define who they are, like totally use them. I also think a really great thing about labels, even that even if you're kind of like uh, about it, is sometimes you don't want to have a 20 minute uh, com- like explanation to a like, says hat person about your identity (laughs) and then it's just easier to be like yep i'm gay let's move on maybe i don't want to tell you all of the nuances of what that means to me because i literally don't want to talk to you about it (laughs) (laughs) yes yep for sure uh the only thing i had about simon here is just he is so in tune with baz baz has this thought about how his dad should kill him basically and simon immediately is like whatever that thought was don't don't have it don't think it i can observe your face and know exactly what's happening for you internally right now and i it's just i mean simon is so good and also of everything that happens in this chapter, I feel like that moment should be the thing that makes Baz realize that Simon is not about to just call this a fluke and walk away. Yeah. You know, anyone who knows you that well is fucking knows you. <laughs> is definitely interested in you as a person. Yeah, for sure. And Simon can do that and they're not in a romantic relationship. <laughs> and I mean, granted, right. I... Plenty of people have friendships that are that deep and that intense where you can just know what other people are thinking. I'm not trying to discount that. I'm just saying that in this instance of Simon and Baz, it's there's only so much you can chug up to I'm studying my enemy where it becomes like, okay, right. but <laughs> Right. Uh you already act like you've been in a relationship for several years. Exactly. And you're just now starting to kiss. And you're already like, I can tell that you are thinking terrible things about yourself. And I need you to stop that. I can see on your face. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Enemies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <sighs> 
Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. So you brought up earlier Simon's sort of passive acceptance that he doesn't have a future. I think it's really interesting and I want to talk more about your perception of that as being a sort of suicidal ideation. Yeah. He, because we, he's, I think, the third person in the book that we've or maybe fourth. I think that we've heard from Baz, Agatha, and Penny already that all of them also don't think that Simon has a future. They all think of him as sort of this sort of chosen but also cursed human weapon who at some point is going to fail. And, you know, Agatha is like, my job as his girlfriend is to make a, you know, basically a a beautiful widow to show the world that he was important and penny is like i want to rescue him and baz is like it's probably going to be my job to be the thing that ends him and that fucking sucks but all three of them also are like yeah no simon's not going to make it past 20 yeah i the reason i interpret this as suicide like, like a passive suicide ideation is partly because simon's future doesn't have to look like that and I mean obviously at the end of the book he does survive the epic battle that everyone thinks is going to happen between him and the villain who is of course the rage because fuck that dude (laughs) and and I think that I think that Simon not thinking about his future and sort of resigned to the fact that he's like yep just gonna die so I'm not gonna do any kind of future planning or any kind of thinking and just sort of been like, yep, that's what's going to happen. It just, it feels like he's given up on the idea of living past Mm. whatever epic battle he thinks is going to happen and sort of, and just sort of accepting his own short lifespan Mm -hmm. and thus acting as if it doesn't matter if he does a thing that is super dangerous, because he's expecting to die at any mo- at any time anyway, and so he's not mm-hmm. doing anything to prevent himself from dying. Gotcha. So maybe like passive is like maybe not quite the word that I want to use, but it still feels to me like he's not actively seeking his death. He doesn't have a like a death wish, but he's. Mm not doing anything to protect to prevent his own death and has embraced what he feels like is the, is the inevitability of it even though that's not there is like there is not inevitability of him dying so okay yeah that makes sense to me i and i don't so i had written down that he just doesn't feel like he has any control over the way that his life goes. Like he feels this obligation to fight and knows that at some point something is going to win. And I, as you were describing it, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's Buffy too. Right. And I think that we see in her that having that sort of, I'm the chosen one. And that means that, I fight until I can't fight anymore and that means that I'm dead it sort of does have to automatically come with a a sort of built-in maybe death resignation as opposed to death wish yeah because otherwise how else are you gonna find it in you to go 
do the the fighting that you have to do and that yeah i think that makes perfect sense yeah and as someone with depression i have not necessarily been someone who's had intense suicide ideation but i feel like a sort of I'm so tired. I can't believe I have to keep doing this thing for so many years. And it's just sounds so exhausting. Like when is it going to be over is Mm -hmm. a feeling that makes sense to me. Uh, I mean, I'm obviously not a chosen one, but I think that you're chosen to me. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the sort of pressure and perpetual mortal danger of being a chosen one you're going to get depressed about it. You're going to get depressed about having to do this thing all of the time and just being just exhausted of it and being like, I know the end is coming. And part of me is kind of like, man, it's going to be great to finally just be done with all this bullshit. Mm-hmm. Maybe that just comes with being like the chosen one is you. It is just, it is very depression that all of this pressure is put onto you to like do these heroic things, but also almost die constantly yeah yeah and i i i think we see we see the same thing by by book seven with harry and harry potter i do think that there's a pretty stark uh difference between what simon is experiencing and what baz is experiencing which i think i mean i'm like how triggering do i want this episode to be I don't know. I'll put in content warnings. I'm about to say, I think I've, I've already taken it to the content warning part, I feel like, but it's up to you. Yeah. I mean, I had like very persistent passive suicidal ideation for like 15 straight years of my life. And I feel like what the way that Baz resonates with me is sort of this sense of I'm not going to do anything, but like I would welcome getting hit by a car with open arms. And sometimes I'm more actively wishing that that would happen than others, but the feeling is always sort of there. And I don't think that Simon feels that. I think Simon's is more when death comes, I will be okay with it. And I know that it's going to be early and not what I want but I do think that those are pretty different things no you're right no they are and they have different roots too and Mm -hmm. different ways of addressing that really in order to move beyond that feeling yeah a lot of feelings about (laughs) a lot of feelings in those chapters yeah yeah Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. Chapter 61 is a perfect piece of writing. It is really excellent. I have read this book so many times, and every single time I read this chapter, I get chills at least seven separate times. It is it is exquisite. I don't I can't think of another passage from a book that I think of as like standing out separately from the rest of the book the way that I think about this chapter if that makes sense yeah it's it's fucking perfect it is a perfect chapter 
It is truly excellent. Yeah, just the 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 seamless back and forth is so good. And as we have mentioned briefly earlier, if you wanted to have an example about how to write things that are erotic, but not explicitly erotic, and that you could put in a YA novel, <laughs> this is the passage yeah. to read. Yep. Fuck, it's so good. Uh, Jesus Christ. Um, and from a rant of praise to a rant of horror, I think we all know here that I have strong feelings about how no one should drink milk. That's gross. <laughs> but Simon drinks like a fucking carton of milk and then makes out for like four or five hours, which is just an extra level of, oh my God, no. <laughs> just don't do that. That's so gross. I can't even imagine. <sighs> yeah, I can't imagine either. I, I, I figured you, I, I read it and it's just like, oh, Lark is so gross. Out, but... <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> it's like, drink some water. <laughs> you don't Please. have to drink a carton of milk. I know. What was Baz thinking? Being like, milk or Coke? It's like, no, you don't want him drinking either of those things and then making out with you for the next four hours. <laughs> Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where we ask you for money. And today, all I have to say to you is that before we recorded this episode, we recorded a dramatic reading of chapter 61 for our patrons. And if you want to listen to it, you should head over to patreon.com slash thegailyprofit and join us there because it's fucking incredible. Welcome to, finally, welcome to Sends Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Their makeout session is so hot, they both forget about the magical forest fire around them. <laughs> Just... That that's it. That's the tweet. Just you've <laughs> your lips have made me forget about the mortal danger we are both in, and especially you, extremely flammable vampire. I, it's just, it's and sorry. The and they're both like reporting to us that it's like really fucking hot. Like everything is on fire, and it's just not a priority. And one of the lines in this chapter that I could I could read a dozen times in a row and would get chills every single time is when Simon says he's so cold and the world is so hot. It's just like, oh my god. Like it is makes pre- you just yes, please. It's just pretty chef's kiss. Perfect, is that's all I gotta say. <sighs> yeah. It's just it's so good. I feel like this whole section should be us having so much to say. And instead, it's like, I feel like my internal experience is just like, stop listening to us and just go read it again. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you don't need to hear us talk about it. 
it is very it is very good it is very good and like a good and like any good slow burn you've made it several hundred, hundred chapters to get to this point and it is very satisfying to get to this point because you're both like thank god and also like holy shit seven years worth of back sexual tension that we don't get is finally like happening and it's like yes i know it's i mean honestly imagine you know think about the experience of having had a crush on someone for a matter of months and then getting to finally make out with them only multiply that by seven entire years holy shit it's a miracle that they didn't just with simon's volatile fucking magic it's a miracle that they didn't like combust or something regardless of the forest fire yeah right or do the kind of like i mean i guess they're enemies so they wouldn't have done the like homoerotic quote-unquote straight boy shit that straight dudes love to do like what i don't know like jerk off together or like shit like that I don't know. <laughs> in the middle of a forest fire i mean no not Wait, like what? this but i have met several straight dudes who have done shit like that and i'm like what with other straight what just what you... it's fine you just have to say no homo as you come uh-huh. it's fine it's exactly that's exactly what <laughs> exactly what is happening and that's why i'm gonna write more no homo forest really fan fiction for you thank you i appreciate it okay do you do you have another point i do my first note here actually is death wish but make it sexy <laughs> because <laughs> that's really that's really where baz is at here this the fucking line, I am going to die kissing Simon Snow, Alistair Crowley, I'm living a charmed life. It's incredible. Also the drama, the fucking drama. <laughs> but it's perfect. It is perfect. Like we... I, I love it. I'm just like, you're such a drama queen. <laughs> that is this. I feel like if I was in this situation when I was 17 or 18 or however old they are, I would be having the exact same reaction that Baz is having. No, I feel like I was in a very similar mental place at that age where it just would have been like, yeah, let me just narrate this to myself. And like, if I die like this, how incredibly, you know, poignantly, dramatically perfect. Yes, I welcome it. Yeah. (laughs) I will look back upon my death (laughs) with (laughs) much praise and like, weeping and whatever i'm trying to figure out a segue into this i guess there isn't a segue uh simon discovers he's a top in this string of chapters or a switch i haven't really quite decided do you think he discovers that i mean i guess (laughs) i don't know i mean i i feel like it's clear from this this chapter or these chapters and then the sort of reflecting back upon the parts that we have had stolen from us by the villain that is Rainbow Rowell later on, it's very clear that Simon is experienced in being a top. But I guess he also might have just felt like that was his autopilot like requirement in a heterosexual situation because society. I guess part of it is that I have... I just have a hard time imagining 
Simon being like, oh, yeah, I have Agatha under my thumb. Because um, uh, I, I guess I don't imagine their relationship dynamics being like that, but... No, definitely The not. fact that he immediately went to that thought with Baz, I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yep. That's great. You are totally right. Yeah. Throw a little bit of erotic hair pulling. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> Glad you've learned this yeah. about yourself, Simon. Oh, so. God. Yes. The list of things that he's always wanted to do to Baz. Oh, my God. Uh. Yes. <laughs> the fact that pulling on his hair is one of them, it's just like, yep. But yeah, but it's it's just, which is an interesting contrast to whenever he and whenever he is offering his magic to Baz, where it definitely seems a little bit less toppy. So mm-hmm. I don't know. He is still in charge of that power dynamic. That's though. true. Lit- literal power dynamic. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Not just metaphorical <laughs> power dynamic, literal <laughs> power dynamic. Oh, my God. <laughs> How did it take this long for me to realize this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I do want, I think we should follow that with, I believe Baz is in no way learning for the first time that he is at bottom. Oh, yeah, no. I think Baz is just learning that it's really fucking lucky for him that Simon isn't <laughs> they're just you know they're just both so well matched that's <laughs> they are <laughs> oh it makes so much sense to me that Simon would be a top too because of everything we've been talking about where he doesn't feel like he has any control over his life yeah so he's like this is a situation that I can really drive and feel empowered to be in charge within and and he feels confident about his abilities in this area you know it's not like magic yep. where he feels still kind of weird about it he's like right. oh yeah i know i'm a fucking good kisser and i'm fucking hot so let's 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 yep. do this and baz is like yeah. great yes thank you <laughs> Yeah. Baz is like, I'm constantly trying to keep everything in my life under control all the time. So yes, please, <laughs> you be in charge for a little while. They're just so well matched. It's I know. perfect. I love it. Uh, what else do you have here? Oh, just where Simon just reflecting on. Uh, yeah, the other vampires like were literally ready to make you their king. And it's like, oh, Simon wants hot vampire King Baz. And I'm like, honestly, same. Same, dude. Here for this. Get him a crown and a really well-tailored suit and a very ridiculous throne. Yes, all about this. A cape, yes. A, like, silk-lined cape. Yeah, with, like, a, you know, kingly collar. Yeah, it's it's like ermine fur or some shit. Exactly. Yep. I just have, I guess, one more thing, I suppose. This after scene that we get where they've been making out all night, the sun is coming up, they're just laying on the floor, just utterly spent, and probably have done nothing but kiss. Probably. I mean, God, I hope more, but I think they've probably done nothing but kiss. It's perfectly written and also as someone who has been in a relationship with the same person for almost 11 years and 
it's a monogamous relationship it's like so nostalgic like oh like i remember that feeling what a sweet and wonderful feeling like i remember the first night that evan and i made out until 6 a.m and then had to like go to work and how it's you know you go to work the next day and everyone's like what's up with you like you seem great and like (laughs) yeah i did not sleep last night and i feel great (laughs) it's just really lovely yeah yeah i i am actually always on the fence about if they did more than make out in this all night make i mean i'm assuming some groping and some grinding I, i i guess in my brain it could go either way if they did like more stuff or less stuff yeah same i mean i guess my the reason that i keep coming back to like is probably just kissing is that that's all they refer to it as the next day is kissing i don't know you know what other words i would expect them to use had they you know i i feel like right definitely like groping grinding definitely their shirts were off by the end of it but i'm like yeah and i always the question is always there because we get in whichever chapter late chapter we get where either simon or baz is thinking back to simon basically balance on like his arms above baz and i'm like and you're just kissing sure you sure about that because that's real hot and i'm just gonna it's so hot yeah oh i'm like god. god damn it's baz because baz is like he was over me on all fours and made me reach up for his mouth and i i did and i i do it again i'd cross any line for him and you're just like Shh, fuck me oh my god right <laughs> That is hot as fuck. And yes, totally understandable you would feel that way, Baz. Yeah. So, I mean, or else Simon's just showing law. Like, look look what I can do. Look how hot I am with my shirt off, which probably, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think, I don't think there's any limitations on like how intense and sexy making out can be, honestly. So as much as I maybe would appreciate having more information, I also kind of like that it's very much left up to the imagination because you can really read whatever you want into how they spent those hours. Yeah. There's not a lot of Snowbaz fanfic out there in the world generally. And I, at least in like the little bit that I've read, have never seen anyone being like, let me fill in this scene. Which seems like it should be the most populous Snowbaz fanfic out there as people being like, what happened between the hours of 2 and 6 a.m.? <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that is very, yeah. I'll, I'm going to question them. All right. Welcome to the silliest Kiss Kill Improvise we'll ever do. <laughs> <laughs> ready, Jesse? I'm ready. <laughs> I am actually kind of curious. I know what one of them is going to be, but okay. uh, your options are Simon, Baz, and the deer. <laughs> that's the only <laughs> other character we have. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I'm killing. I'm killing the deer. Don't really want to make out with the deer, but I do want to eat a deer because venison is delicious. <laughs> Sorry to our <laughs> vegan listeners. Um, <laughs> um, I. 
I guess I think Kiss Simon improvised with Baz is what I'm going to go with. Do you want to expand upon your reasoning? I'm a big sucker for a faggy bottom. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> so it can really go. It's like, are we just hanging out in your sweet house? Am I ordering you around? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what we're doing? Um, but Simon is clearly proven that he is a very good kisser. And it's like, cool. Let's uh, hear for that. Awesome. Excellent reasoning. Thank you. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, I just feel like that felt more awkward to talk about than my than like depression. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that's uh maybe the most open you've been about like where you land on the top bottom spectrum in all the years of making these podcasts that we've had. So maybe that's why you usually talk about that stuff without revealing anything. I just, for so long, I've just wanted to hook up with a just very faggy bisexual bottom boy and it has never happened. And I'm very sad about that. So. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's all right. I've lived, I've, lived, I've lived a good life. Maybe <laughs> it'd be when I'm old. <laughs> and Nicole has passed away and I live with my like eight cats. So. Oh my God. Speaking of which, welcome to Is This Just Fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, where we talk about magic and science and magical science we learn some new spells we sure do do we already get make a wish before or no i honestly can't remember maybe 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 we've seen baz put out his fire that he carries around in his hand with make a wish before yeah i don't really remember either uh but doe a deer is definitely new i mean as far as hunting spells go and also, contrary to what we learned earlier in in this book, a lyric from a song, a contemporary song that is, wow, I didn't Google this before I said this. It's from The Sound of Music. That's not a very, it's a very popular movie, but not a very old movie. So it's pretty old, isn't it? So The Sound of Music is from 1965. So it's 50 years old by the time we're in this book. Which I guess I don't know if, I think that's after so conceivably then if we get doe a deer is a spell then presumably you could there are probably other spells from popular classic hollywood musicals naturally of course the one that comes to mind is the wizard of oz probably one of the most popular old movies ever Mm -hmm. so maybe we'll have to add that to our list whenever we get into our like spells that probably exist uh, editor's cut. Yeah. Okay, so Silent Music was a Broadway show that was created in 1959 or debuted oh, okay. in 1959. So still still slightly older than the movie but not by much. But it's still been around for long enough that it's like if it's still around in in 2015. Plus I feel like I feel like I learned that song in kindergarten as a music class song so i feel like it also exists separate from the movie yeah same so yeah i think we can infer from this that if there is music that is still culturally relevant 
some decades later that the probability of it being a spell, especially if it's super popular, like say somewhere over the rainbow or this or whatever the fuck the song is called that has doe a deer in it mm-hmm. probably very good good with magic full of magic definitely so do you think that the other pieces of that song are also spells like could you use ray a drop of golden sun to make the clouds go away oh my my initial instinct is to say yes, because there's so many useful things that happen in that one particular song. How come I can't, can I not, Wikipedia, what are you doing? How come I can't look up just that song? I would assume so, because I feel like that's one of the most popular songs from that movie, if not like The Hills Are Alive. Which is a horror spell. <laughs> it's a it's it's a battle defense spell, so the hills are like crushing your enemies. Yeah. And maybe to a lesser extent, the one where the oldest daughter is where the Nazis sing into the oldest daughter, but maybe not the like the like the creepy song. Yeah, it's fifteen going on sixteen, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, if anyone is singing that to you, you should run away. But especially if they are a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> which shouldn't be culturally relevant in 2021 but unfortunately <laughs> wait wait i can i can read you this thing that nicole sent me which is a screenshot of a tweet that says satanic panic in the middle of a plague i love renaissance fairs <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I honestly, I think, sorry, so a needle pulling thread also seems like it would be great if to like thread a needle, which is a very difficult thing to do. That'd be an amazing needle threading spell. Yeah, threading needle is hard as shit. Like, it's the worst. I'm looking up the lyrics of this song. The only other one that could potentially be helpful is tea, a drink with jam and bread, which could be like a food summoning spell. Which would be very good because who doesn't like tea with jam and bread yeah it sounds great it does sound great i'm gonna have some of that right after we're done recording because mm. <laughs> it is my lunch time <laughs> oh yeah the rest of the lyrics aren't maybe as useful maybe a long long way to run is would be a good spell a good like endurance spell a stamina spell yes also could be a sex spell who knows true getting back to the sexy stuff oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so the last spell we get in this chapter is You're Getting Warmer. Clearly from Tag, the game Tag. But also probably one of the most, this a spell that I would definitely use all the time. Perfect for melting butter and warming your tea. Sounds great. Yep. <laughs> As someone who does not own a microwave. <laughs> <sighs> That's interesting. I can't remember if we've seen this one before, but I know that previously we've seen them warming things up with some like it hot. And I wonder why, when that runs the risk of making something too hot to eat, you wouldn't use your getting warmer instead, which seems much more like you're going to end up with the temperature that you want. Yeah. Maybe it's just personal preference between what Penny would want to use and what Baz would want to use. Yeah. Because, yeah, I feel like your getting warmer is definitely preferable because then... You can just keep doing it till it's like the perfect temperature versus like, oh, now it's molten and I can't eat it. 
Exactly. I will burn my mouth. Um, the last thing that I have here, we just like learn a little bit more about vampires. They have to eat food. They need to drink blood every day to feel well and every few days to stay sane, which is an interesting qualifier, I guess. I think that means that Baz has not been taking very good care of himself. I mean, this has been a, a particularly rough year, but partic- I'm sure in the past too. Yeah. Because it seems like he basically waits until the very last minute to like go into the catacombs to eat some rats Mm -hmm. which must be about as satisfying as eating like three peanuts at a time i'm sure true if you can drink a whole deer yeah in what i'm assuming is not a very long amount of time yeah do you have anything else here i did but i i do but i honestly can't remember how much we've talked about this before which is the legitimately old uh trope of vampires as a metaphor for scary gay people i don't think we've talked about that at all okay i didn't think that we did but all right vampire stories became really popular in like the 18th century victoria era we have like dracula of course which is mainly about white people's fear of or Western European sphere of people from Eastern Europe coming to their country, which pretty racist. But before you have Dracula, you have Camilla the Vampire, which is 110% about Camilla being a lesbian vampire and preying upon some like frail, beautiful woman, um, thus giving you the beginning of the monstrous vamp- gay vampire trope. And as we know from like the Hayes Code and contemporary literature the metaphor of gays being monstrous or villainous is has also been around because colonialization hates gay people and so i guess i just kind of want to talk about how it's interesting here where we have a gay vampire and so we don't we don't need to have Baz's vampireness isn't a metaphor for his queerness because he is alt because he is both already a queer vampire already. Right. So it's sort of but we're still getting his sort of self-loathing about his vampirism that in another piece of literature would just be a metaphor for his self-loathing about being gay. Mm-hmm. But it's also querying that trope still because Baz gets at least at the end of this book uh, happy ending like he gets to live right. his gay vampire life and he isn't he, he is he isn't a monstrous vampire or a monstrous gay person he's just he's just a gay, he's just a gay vampire which is excellent considering all of the many examples about scary terrible monstrous gay people that exist in western culture because it is the worst and I guess I really don't have a point here. I just want to kind of talk through that because I found it very interesting. I mean, I think it's cool that this is like a sort of uh, flipping that trope on its head because Baz, right, is canonically queer and is totally fine with his queerness. We see no internalized homophobia from Baz. We see that his family isn't super accepting of him being queer and he's very just like, fuck them, whatever. Yeah. I'm out, I'm not, like, gonna whatever. And then he has this self-loathing about being a vampire, which I think is really opposite. Uh, maybe not in, like, I mean, not with, 
what's his face an interview with a vampire but but by the end of the book baz also seems to have come to terms with the fact that he's a vampire and feels that he has a place in society and that he you know is controlling his illness in a way that isn't dangerous to other people and doesn't have to be inherently bad and he gets to both be you know, publicly out and queer and happy about that and also internally like at peace with being a vampire so i i think that's really beautiful it's like yeah. a redemption of the of the queer vampire <laughs> yeah and as we discussed earlier this episode Simon's like, yeah, whatever, okay, you're a vampire. I don't really care about that. Yeah. <laughs> when I read Simon's line about the, it's not like I'm a militant vegetarian or whatever, I was like, yeah, I think that anyone who would be upset about Baz having to eat blood to live because he is a vampire, which like is just an illness... That's like the people who like try to feed their cats vegan cat food and end up killing them. It's like, nope, like that's just fucked up. Don't do that. Yeah, don't don't have a cat. I just if- wanted to be like Baz. If anyone ever is like tries to tell you that you're doing something wrong because you have to eat blood to live, like that's all I want you to think is like this is the kind of person who would murder their cat by trying to feed them vegan cat food. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time, we will be discussing chapters 63 through 65. And this podcast is a creation of Hashtag Ruthless Productions. And if you like it, you should check out our Harry Potter podcast, The Gaily Prophet. And both of those podcasts are produced, mixed, and edited by me. You can find us on the internet, our website, thegailyprophet.com. Um, we are on Twitter and Instagram at the Gaelic Prophet. Uh, relevant to this episode, if you have always wanted a sticker that says "And then he kisses me," you can get one of those in our shop on our carry-on themed sticker sheet. Just saying. Uh, if you want to find me on the internet, I'm on Instagram at Lark Malachi, and that is also my website, LarkMalachi.com, where you can get a tarot reading from me. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit or on Instagram at Live from Detroit. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. The rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen and... Until next time. Scatamoosh. <laughs> and until next time. You with me, Scatamoosh. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm here. I'm together. I'm with it. Okay. <laughs>